Welcome to the Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show, the talk show for late identified autistics, where each week you will hear the autism journey of another late identified person, including the hardest part, the best part, and insights they share just for you. So you know you are not alone on this journey, my friend. Find your person and community here each week. And don't miss these special editions of Creator Spotlight and Hot Topic with your hostess with the mostest, Social Audi. That's me, Carol Jean. Let's get started. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. My Creator Spotlight artist today is Riley Page from the Artful Realm. She is on Instagram and she has an fantastic Etsy shop. Guys, I totally fell in love with not just Riley's work, her darling little boob pots that like bring happiness and joy to my day every day. But she also paints and her style is so incredibly unique. Like you will see it and you will go, oh my gosh, that's a Riley Page. And you will love it. Her colors, her shapes, just the emotions that her work brings about is just so filled with joy and so much fun. That's what I love. It is infused with so much fun, but it also has a really serious side to it. Riley Page, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> you said you were going to get me emotional in the beginning. <laughs> I'm like, that was so sweet. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I was kind of being real yeah. specific and not trying to get emotional. No, no you're just a doll. <laughs> Thank you so doll. much. <laughs> but guys, I have seriously, like, I got totally excited when Kenny came on because we've been working on it. But like, this is seriously huge for me because I've been after Riley for like six months. She's probably tired of me showing up in her box. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not at all. <laughs> oh, man. So Riley, you're 28. You're late identified autistic. Welcome to the club, my friend. Thank you. Welcome to your tribe. You have found Thanks. people. <laughs> How you. did you discover and identify that you were autistic. How did how did this journey and this process happen for you, my friend? I feel like the way that that can be described easiest is honestly just the internet. <laughs> the internet is a wonderful place sometimes, but in this way, it definitely helps. So I had never, ever anticipated that I was autistic ever. A lot of people ask, like, oh, did you ever have any inkling? And I really did not. Um, I had mental health problems throughout my life, and those mostly started when I was 20. And they were usually like mood related. So depression, anxiety, a lot of like angsty stuff. So a lot of doctors thought I had bipolar disorder. So that got figured out, um, scratched five years off of that to 25. And I got diagnosed with ADHD. And then got off of all the other medications that I had previously been on, all the other previous diagnoses that I had 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 also been stripped. And at that point, um, I think I saw a meme maybe <laughs> two years after that. And it was a Venn diagram of autism and ADHD next to each other. And prior to that, I feel like looking up autism on Google, all the symptoms I didn't really feel like matched me, but ADHD and autism together, like there were so many symptoms that I had never really thought of or heard of that fit me to a T. And that kind of ended up being just a spiral down this information mountain on Instagram. A lot of creators, a lot of autistic creators on Instagram uh, helped me 
find all that out about myself, but it was just a lot, a lot of sleepless nights just going online, reading stuff that I felt like I had written myself, uh, that it was, it was shocking. And I'm sure that a lot of people who are in my boat have had a similar experience where they found that information. You're like, Oh no, you were right the whole time about you. You knew that something was different and you found out that you were correct. So it was, it's been wild and it's still crazy. So after finding all that out online, I did um, seek out proper diagnosis, not really for any reason other than, I guess, internal validation. I don't really think I needed it that much, but I feel like everyone wants that a little bit. And so I wanted it, but I also wanted peace of mind and just be able to explain to my family, like, this is what's going on. Because at this point, uh, not only had I never thought I was autistic, but neither did my family. So they also still kind of weren't, they were skeptical about that. So formal diagnosis was the next step for me to just get validated as well as just like cement that this is what's going on as well as I felt like that was the next step to get information. And that was about a month ago and here we are. So all of this is very recent. It's, it's, it's been crazy. <laughs> I I completely understand. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Going through that process, it, I almost equate it to like training as an Olympic sport athlete. You know, because so many of us, you know, I went down that same, such a similar path. It's like, you know, early 20s and you get diagnosed as bipolar because your emotions are all over the place. Right. You know, and a lot of that is, is also just the hormonal thing and just maturation just all of it you know and it also at that point it's like all these other life stressors enter in that you didn't really have before right you know? right yeah <laughs> you know and then you and then you get the next one which like for me was like you it was then it was ADHD and then you know then you finally get to autism mm -hmm. and then you're like you know I even did an episode on this if you if anybody's out there that, that might be thinking the same thing you know kind of like what Riley and I went through it's like well, I, um, I almost, I wanted to set that ADHD aside because I thought, oh, well, it was a mislabel, just like bipolar and depression mm -hmm. and all these other things. But then yeah. the more you look at it and that Venn diagram you mentioned is one that I, that I included as well, because I'm like, no, 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 this is both. This is definitely mm -hmm. a, a dual, a duality, right? Right. So I didn't even mention that when I was 18, I did get diagnosed with ADHD and I thought that it wasn't real. Um, I, at the time was like just seeking diagnosis and, uh, I thought I maybe faked the test somehow. I thought I maybe jinxed it or did something wrong. And so I never actually took medication or did any treatment for ADHD when I first got diagnosed at 18, because I actually didn't believe that I had it. And then I, I went my whole, the rest of my early 20s, like looking for diagnosis, completely forgetting that that experience actually happened. Like I actually did get diagnosed. I completely just pretended it didn't because it didn't make sense to me at the time. Um, it didn't fit my symptomology. And that has to do with the fact that the information out there that's available for us to read about ADHD is very male-based. And so I wasn't able to find out that a lot of the symptoms I was experiencing, like mood symptoms, are a lot more um, symptoms that female people experience usually with ADHD. So that was crazy. It was just, it was, 
really exciting to learn that for sure. But there definitely was some denial in the beginning. I think we all go through a bit of that as well. Mm -hmm. Just sort of like, oh, there's been so many mislabels. You know, this is just another one that's just wrong. And, or something doesn't totally feel like it fits, you know? Right. And it's just sort of, it is an evolutionary process. You know, it really is. So Riley, I know that over the last year and just learning all these new layers and aspects and facets to yourself have really led to an explosion in your creativity and your artistry. So share a little bit about how did the boob pot start? Because it is so adorable. It is so precious. And I love it because you really capture the variety. You really right. do. I mean, boobs, Thanks. there are a million and one different yeah. kinds of boobs. And For I love sure. it because you really, you approach that. So kind of share the story of the boob pot with us. You know, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, the boot pots are so funny. I feel like I want this like crazy idea, like, well, it all started, but I don't have one. I literally just saw one, I think on Facebook that someone had made. I thought it was adorable. And I'm like, I could do that. And so I made one for myself. And I think I had a friend who thought it was cute as well. And so I made one for her and it just became a thing, like a word of mouth thing. I said, you know what the heck? I think I'm going to make a, an Instagram page for my art and see where this goes. And it kind of just took off from there. I wish there was like something more to it than that. But what came from that was a realization like was the reason I'm making this stuff is because I have a connection with uh, body positivity for sure. That's like a huge aspect of me and what I'm trying to spread is this promotion of love and self-acceptance and what comes with that is the variety of uh, sharing like everyone's body type whether you got one boob up here and one down there or a different colored areola or something like I am really trying to encompass like all different varieties of human in any way and um, that also has to do with the way that I try to re represent the queer community in my art with you know I'm trying to trying to just represent bodies and all types of people, just representation of everyone is really, really important to me. So the boob pots turned into butt pots, turned into peen pots, turned into everything. And it's super exciting for me to be able to just celebrate bodies and celebrate people in my art every day. And that's, that's really all I've ever wanted to do. But it really just started with, Oh, that's cute. I'm going to make that. And that's, there we are. Here we are a year later. I don't know how many boot pots I've sold at this point. I think maybe a hundred. I don't know if I've hit a hundred yet, but it's close. And wow, that is, that's so exciting. It's just so crazy that the world has such an interest in my, my little art. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's really great. It's really fun. But I think that really it's, your, it's your art, but it's your heart behind it. It really is, Riley. I mean, that's one of the things that I think is so incredibly inspiring and really relatable about your Instagram account and about your art is because you do celebrate all body types and you do it in such a way that it is just wholehearted, you know, and it's, you do it with vulnerability and kindness. 
you know, some of your self-portraits that you share from your photography. And I'm just like, man, that is just the most beautiful thing. It really is. And it makes me stop because, you know, it, that's a hard thing just as a female, as a woman, you know, as a human, we're so hard on ourselves, especially as autistics. We're so hard on ourselves. We're so mm -hmm. judgmental. And our bodies are one of the things that we just internally beat up all the time. It's not being good enough. And I love that how you celebrate the human body because you do it with such kindness and gentleness. And that's something that we all, I think, really could use a little more of in our life, especially when it comes to looking and reflecting upon our own bodies. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's so sweet. That's really all I ever want to do is make people feel comfortable in their own skin in any way that I can. And I didn't really know how to do that until I found this art form. Um, it's working out so far and it's, it's, it's really what I want to spend the rest of my life doing in any way is just like making art in any facet, but this, this element is really what I feel like made me feel like I came into my own. I've been an artist my entire life, but I've described myself as a dormant artist for a really long time because I don't really make anything anymore. I hadn't until the pandemic. I feel like the pandemic kind of stirred up some needed like dust off of my shelves so I can like actually start creating again. And this is kind of what came out of it. So I'm happy we're here. <laughs> well, I'm happy we're here too. Because <laughs> your art and your, your approach to your art and why you do it is just really so inspiring and uplifting, but it's so connecting. It really does. It, I, for me, it, it's transformed a lot of things mm. just about how I see myself, how I think about myself. Wow. That's you know? so sweet. But you do it in a way that's super fun, too, because you're not like mm -hmm. so, yes, you have serious. Yes, you talk about mental health and you talk about your struggles and challenges with mental health. Mm -hmm. And but you also are just like, you know what? But I'm also living my life and I'm also finding more out about me every day. Mm -hmm. And you share that journey along the way. Right. So as you're as you have evolved. You know, I, I have seen and followed the journey this past year of how your art has evolved. Mm -hmm. How would you describe that or explain that or, you know, sort of how has it touched your soul? Because it uh, this is a, you know, this is a deep seated spiritual thing because we're expressing who we are in the world through yeah. our art. It's been insane because, like I said, my dormant artistry, a lot of that came from, I think, the idea that people wouldn't like what I made. And that's like what every artist feels like, obviously, is in the back of their head that no one's going to like what they make. Um, but before I was autistic, I didn't think people liked who I was. There was a lot of things about me that I was told were bad and wrong and annoying and sensitive and too much and all these things. And now I know that it's just called autistic. Um, but before I had that label, there was so much shame and like guilt and just like sadness on me that a lot of the other things in my life like joyful things like art I didn't think anyone wanted anything to do with those things either because that was personal and personal to me at that point was something that was too much for everyone else 
So, and I also didn't really know how to express my art in a way that um, I was confident in either. I feel like I was too scatterbrained with my painting. I hadn't really started sculpting yet, but my painting, my ADHD was just so bad that I would start something and then just not finish it ever. So I think finding out I was autistic kind of started that journey of my art changing because it gave me like that needed confidence to know that like you're, you are allowed to be yourself and you're awesome the way that you are and you're these things about you aren't mistakes. And so that healed me a lot to make this art that I do. And I think that the only thing I can say about what come came out of it is just like authentic love and joy. And that's who I am at the core of my being. It's just authentic wanting to love everyone and be joyful. And so I'm really trying to have that come out in my art as much as I can. And I, I'm trying my best, but like, I feel like that's really what um, is making this explosive thing happen right now is like, I went from not making anything to making a lot of art constantly. And a lot of it is centered around love and joy and beauty and things like that. And it has to do with the fact that I feel loved, enjoyed and beautiful now. Um, after finding all of this out. So it's definitely, it definitely is an all encompassing um, journey for sure. It's an all encompassing reason behind uh, this mass kind of being lifted. So yeah, it's, it's really cool. Oh, it, it 100% is. I know it sounds so like it sounds so redundant to say it's really cool, but it is. No, it's, it is it's really cool. <laughs> it's I just, can't say anything like else. Some, it just is. <laughs> no, it is, and this is, and I, you bring up two of the biggest topics that that I've been talking about because since we're in May, this is Mental Health Month, and last week I was sharing about shame, mm -hmm. and and shame is you know, defined by Brene Brown and her research as the feeling or the experience of not being enough, not being lovable, not being worthy of belonging. Mm. And that's something that oh, I think we can all say we've experienced just as humans, but as autistics, it's really been a huge thing in our yeah. life. And the week before that, you know, I had, I always put out sort of a journal prompt and, and, do a series throughout the week on a particular topic. And we're talking about stories because, you know, we've got these stories that we start with in childhood that help form our identity because, you know, mirror neurons, we don't see ourselves. We right. see others and we see our, uh, ourselves reflected in others and how they respond to us. And as autistics, not knowing we were autistic and just trying to figure the world out, we took in a whole lot of garbage of things that just weren't true about who we are Yeah, and taking the time to look back and reflect and go, okay, are the stories that I'm telling myself, the things that I believe in that I've agreed to, that's the key term. I agreed to what someone said about me or someone reacted to me and I agreed that they were right. Is it really true or is it true today? You know, and is it serving me? And if it's not, if it's not true, and if it's not serving you, then it's time to let it go. Yeah. And a lot of those are shame-based stories. 
where we didn't feel good enough. We didn't feel like we were worthy. We didn't feel like we were enough for somebody else to love us. And that makes it really hard to love yourself when you're living from that place. And for me and in, in my journey, and that's what I love because I've seen it reflected in yours and it just makes my heart want to burst with so much joy mm-hmm. and happiness because I see that you've done that too. You've basically said, I'm not going to believe that stuff anymore because I am enough and I am worthy. And sometimes it's just that one little key, that one little piece of information, that one little grain of sand that tips the scale. Mm-hmm. And it's that I'm just wired differently. My body's a little different. My brain's a little different. It's not less than, it's not mm-hmm. broken. It's just different. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's a, complete shift in thought and feeling about yourself when you do that, when you realize those things. And it's something that I'm going to be learning and in changing my mindset for the rest of my life. And, you know, the sad part about it is, is like, I've read something that says like, there are, I'm sure there's not very many autistics who don't have trauma uh, in some way. And it's because of the way our society runs. Our society is not wired to help people like us, like predominantly, we have to learn how to work in their world for the most part. Um, And I did all of that for 28 years of my life, not even knowing that like, I there was another way that I could have done it, because no one ever told me there was they kind of just said tough luck, do it. And I had to burn myself out to the bone, doing everything else like everyone else, even though I'm not like everyone else. Um, so it's wild and trying to unlearn all of that shame for not being able to do as much as other people is probably going to take me the rest of my life. It's something I'm better at, but it's really hard for me to feel not bad about not being as able-bodied or able-minded sometimes as like a neurotypical person when I have stuff going on because of the way society has made me feel that I have to be all the time. So like when I have things going on in my brain, I feel guilty. And I, I almost, I apologize a lot outwardly to other people for being autistic and I don't want to do that anymore, but it's going to take a lot of time. And it's because of the way that our world is We're we're put in these places where we are traumatized, unfortunately, and I'm trying to unlearn that on my own. I'm really happy I have the opportunity to do that, but I feel like a lot of other people have not been given that chance yet because of where they're at. Well, that's that kind of goes to the heart of my unveiling method, which is the burnout to balance, which is sort of like the place where I, I try and help people to get started because that's usually where we come to this knowledge of ourselves is we are so burned out. We hit autistic burnout. We start losing skills and abilities. And it's just like, for me, I thought I was losing my mind. I thought it was probably the same. Yeah. And it's terrifying, especially when you, you feel like you can't share that because there's nobody else that's experienced it or nobody else has gone through this. You're just like, there is no possible way that anybody's, excuse me, bat crazy as yeah. I am right now. Right. right. <laughs> it's just like, Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't say anything. 
And, and that's really sort of where we keep hurting ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it has to go back to what are those stories that, that we believe that we can't share these vulnerable moments. We right. can't share these things that are happening in our side, inside of our head. Mm -hmm. And just being able to find those safe people in our lives that we can talk to about that. Mm -hmm. That's one of the, the greatest things about becoming a part of and finding the autistic community is, is finding other people that have the knowledge because they've experienced the same thing or something really similar. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, people start sharing and, and getting vulnerable and putting those things out there. Like, you know, through that, I was able to look back and see I had autistic burnout. My very first one, I was six years old. Wow. And I think that that is probably, as I've mentioned it to some of my, my clients and my friends as well, that, that that's like when I identified in my very first burnout, you know, they start looking back at theirs and really start picking it apart. Because when you start to identify what burnout is, what it looks like, what it feels like mm -hmm. as an autistic person, you're like, holy heck. Yeah. I've done that like since childhood. And these are mm -hmm. the times in my life when I've hit these really hard burnouts. When I read about burnout for the first time, I read that you can be in it in years for years and I realized I had been at one point in my life when I was 20 I had my first like really bad episode that had me had to get 51 50 and it was so traumatic and stressful and I think I was in burnout for years I feel like that's why I stopped making art for a long time and I stopped socializing as much because I didn't have the skills to do so but at that time I didn't realize that was a thing I just thought that I'm different now and I'm not the same person, but I realize it's like, no, you lose. Now that I know so much more about autism and that's kind of why I still, um, it's why my Instagram exists is like not only to spread my art, but I do not want anyone ever to be like me and not know about themselves. I don't want anyone to wait too late. So I I don't think that I'm like this messenger, but I feel like if I could be a voice to even one person who might be going through something similar to me, then I'm fine. I'm, I did what I wanted to do. I just don't want anyone to suffer um, any more than I did. And if I can prevent a little bit more of their suffering than I did, then I, I really want to do that. So I, I want to be mindful on my Instagram of spreading awareness about autism constantly in the way of, you know, this is how we are. And this stuff is normal. And not just like, I feel like mainstream information about autism. It's just like really personal experience type situation stories that I really appreciated hearing about other people as well on Instagram, this autistic community on Instagram, and everyone just being really vulnerable and honest is something that I can't even put into words how grateful I am for. And I never knew that I needed it as much as I did. <laughs> you are not alone in that. Yeah. I never I knew everybody I it that much. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how important this was. Because for m most of us, it's the first time we found community and connection. Absolutely. And you know, we've got our whole life yeah. searching for it. I didn't think it. I would find it. I didn't think I would get it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it's really, 
it it's so energetic and energizing because it's it gives you this freedom, doesn't it? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, yeah. it just like it it's healed like this it freedom. Healed yes, it healed my heart of a lot of pain that I've been through my whole life, and it's it's great. Um, I love people. I've been hurt a lot by people, but I genuinely love people and I don't want to be cynical and I don't want to think negatively about humans. And so knowing that like, this isn't my fault makes me feel better. It makes me more confident so that I, I don't have to be upset anymore at anyone. I don't have to be mad at the people who hurt me in the past. I can like move on and for the people in the future, I can be like, no, this is me and I'm confident in who I am and not really let people step on me anymore, but also not be so scorned by the world that I give negative energy back to anyone else. I don't want to do that. I don't want to put any more energy back out into that, into the world like that. So I'm just happy that I have that information and I can give it to other people because everyone deserves to know that they're allowed to be who they are. If you're an autistic I think my boyfriend said something to me the other day that made me want to cry my eyes out. He said, like, I, nothing about your being neurodivergent makes you mean. Um, Cause I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you think I'm mean. And the other day when I was like getting upset about something, cause when I have meltdowns, I get really irritable and that's something I constantly feel really guilty about. And he said, I want you to know that nothing about you, nothing about your neurodivergence makes you mean or bad. And that was like, I don't think you understand what you just said out loud. <laughs> I don't think you understand the weight of those words for someone like me to hear that, like, you're not bad because you're different is it's everything. It's really important. I think it is. And I think that's one of the things that allows us to heal and sort of reclaim our space and ourselves in the world. Because, you know, for decades, we've been giving it away, people pleasing, trying to make sure we're doing it right so that we don't stand out, so that we're not picked on, so that our feelings don't get hurt anymore. Because, you know, once or twice, somebody hurt your feelings and making you feel less than and unworthy of just breathing air hurts. Mm -hmm. And then you live the rest of your life trying not to experience that same hurt ever again. Absolutely. And, and it just perpetuates the misery. Yeah. What that led to with me was my militarized mask. I feel like is I did not, my Instagram now is like showing a completely different person. This is vibrant, loud, happy, dancing person. That person did not exist pre-pandemic because I was so burnt out working constantly and trying to maintain this appearance of normalcy and happy and good that I completely lost my identity. I like did not have an identity at all and it was, it was a shame. I'm just so happy that I have that again, but it's easy to lose it when you're trying to people please, when you care so much about doing it right, like doing it the right way. I didn't even realize that I was so robotic that I didn't have any personal qualities anymore. I didn't, and I didn't like myself either. There was nothing to like, cause there was nothing about me anymore. It was just, I was a shell of my former self for sure. 
Oh, I think you probably just hit a lot of hearts out there when you said that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because it's so true. I think we all go through that right. in, in our, our autism journey and our rediscovery of ourselves, you know, because you were born happy. You were born joyful and wanting to connect and play and carefree. Yeah. And it's, it's all of the crap in between mm-hmm. that has stripped us down to this shell. And it's, you know, unmasking is, is a tool and masking in itself is a tool that when utilized can be beneficial for our mental health as well as is not masking. But also just, I take it that step further and I say, well, we have an unveiling process that we also go through because you, you peel off a couple layers of those masks and you're as a late identified autistic, you're left standing there going, well, who the hell am I? Right. Because I've given away and, and, and push down who I am for so long that once I start to remove those first few layers, I, I don't know who I am under here anymore. And going through the unveiling method is, is the beautiful part of reclaiming that and, and also discovering and rediscovering who we are. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and embracing that this is not their world. This is our world. We all exist together. And our neurotype is designed. We are created as mm-hmm. neurodistinct people for a purpose and a reason, just like everybody else that's Absolutely. born with any type of neurotype. Yeah. We've been around since the beginning, just like every other neurotype. It's just people are just starting to really kind of pay attention instead Absolutely. of just going, oh, well, that's the weird girl. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. no. I might be the weird. Yeah, sure. I'm the weird girl. I'll be, I'll own that all day long. I am a weird girl and I'm okay with that. Mm. I am happy to be the weird girl because normal people are dull. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) My dad says that normal people are dull. And I think it's just like, that's what I love about your art, Riley, is that you express this joy, this beauty, but also the hurt and the trauma and the places where you're still growing and the places that you're still recognizing or healing and it comes through in your art. So if you had to say that like in this journey, for me, this has probably been the hardest part. What would you say that's been for you, Riley? Oh man, that's so hard to even put into words because there are so many hard parts. There's so many good parts about this, but a lot of it's been really difficult. Um, I think it's the loneliness of it for sure. Because when I found all of this out, I felt like I, a bomb went off of my brain and I, I found out all this information and I wanted to share it with everyone. Um, But I've always known I was different and that didn't change um, when I found this out. So my intensity was not shared either by other people around me. Um, And my own family didn't really accept originally that they didn't, they flat out said that they didn't think that I was autistic. So that was really difficult. Um, also just like feeling things and learning things and being like, that's me. This is like something that I've gone through my whole life, like learning about burnout or just kind of trying to explain to 
people what burnout is, I guess it's I, the easiest way to encompass the hardest part about it is like the isolation of not being able to express exactly what's going on inside and having someone completely be able to empathize also. It's like, even if I can't articulate exactly what's happening, no one really, they care, but they don't really understand. The only people who understand are other autistics and that's great. Their, their support and the fact that I have that, like, ability to connect with others is everything to me but it's really hard not to be able to connect to those closest to me like my family I went through a breakup um after finding out I was autistic because it for a lot of reasons but having a neurotypical partner at the time was really difficult trying to explain to them what's going on with my head and also, even by my own partner to think that a lot of my behavior was wrong or like abusive, even though it was just autistic. It was so it was, it's a lot. The problem, the biggest thing is finding all of it out. It's great. You feel like, wow, I finally know everything about myself, but I'm still just as alone and just as different as I was before I found it out. And that's not necessarily true. I'm not as alone and as misunderstood, but it doesn't feel like I'm not, I'm not freed from the problems that I have that autism has given me. And I'm not free from feeling weird and different by people still. That's still there. That didn't change. And I think what comes after the joy of finding it all out came like the kind of sadness of I'm, I'm still going to have all these problems. Um, like, it's not just a, this isn't like a game. This isn't like, oh, yay. Like I found out in the end and I'm not autistic anymore. I'm still going to be autistic later and I'm still going to have these problems. And it's going to be a struggle to try to figure out how to get help for these issues um, from people who are closest to me when at first, it was pretty hard to get them to understand what was going on. Um, I wish it wasn't the case. But when I got formally diagnosed, I feel like their feelings towards me became a little softer and they got a little nicer. Like they accepted it a little bit more. I hate that it had to be that way, but that's the way that it was. They they wanted proof. And so when they got it, I feel like... Um, they're coming around, but it's a slow process. It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a hard thing to, <laughs> it's a, what do you say? Yeah. It's a hard thing to have gone through this your whole life and you want change and you want to be validated and you want the respect now that you know, but you're not going to get it overnight. It doesn't happen like that. And so it sucks. It's not very fun. So that's the hardest part. Uh, oh it definitely is and, and what a hard part it is it's so it's it is really hard it is Riley it is. and it's yeah, one of the reasons, of the that, reasons that I built the I sharing built your autistic the installment because it's one of the biggest challenges that we face and it goes back to and just so you know where you are now in the process of what you're going through and, and how, where you're going and how you're evolving and you're learning more about you and that's really mm -hmm. at the heart of 
when you're sharing your autistic, especially with your family, because we get this information and we're like, heck yeah, this is so exciting. This is amazing. And you want to like mm-hmm. shout it from the rooftops and share. And people are just looking at you like you just like sprung a third eye. <laughs> They're just like, whatever. Right. Or you've got, you know, family that like, oh, well, we all do that. And it's like, well, no, everybody in our family does that because we're very neurodistinct. We're all family. a little autistic. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, but, you know, within families, the the connection that somebody probably is also autistic or is neurodistinct and probably experiences a lot of those things, that's what they have also considered their norm. So, you know, and thanks, Alexa Thymia, for all the times that we can't really verbalize or, or really take all of our emotions and pick out what exactly we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. But it's in that process, like, as we learn more about who we are as autistics and what autism is to us and what it means to us in our life and, and how we show up every day, you know, that's still something we're learning and it's a whole new vernacular as well, you know, like alexithymia and then all the little things that come, you know, into our world as well that we didn't even realize. We're just like, Oh, I I always struggled to kind of like, like I have overwhelming emotions, but I couldn't put it into words. Like I wanted to tell somebody what I was feeling because I was like, it was really intense, but I couldn't quite articulate it in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, there's a word for that. Oh, hot diggity dog. And it's, you know, then it's just like, oh, and it's a little bit more um, empowering as you collect right. these things and sort of you're able to identify them. And it's like the more you become connected to and reconnected to yourself, the person that you are mm-hmm. in all your aspects, then as you move into sharing that you're autistic with other people, you know, those people in your life that are your friends and your family, it, it's a gradual process because it's also an exchange of information. It's like, this is what I've learned about myself that I didn't know before. I couldn't express it. I've been experiencing it my whole life, but I didn't know how to tell you because I didn't know right that I was the only one that was experiencing this. I thought everybody experienced this. And just sort of starting those little small conversations, you know, about Mm -hmm. just, hey, I do this. Do you do this by any chance? Or this is how I've always seen this. How do you see it? And just opening that communication channel to see Uh that somebody else sees something or experiences something similarly or differently really helps to bridge that understanding Mm -hmm. to help us share that we're autistic in a way that somebody really not just understands it, but they know it in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I've been trying to go out of my way to ask a lot of things like that. Like, do you feel this or do other, does everyone feel this? Because those questions are something that prior to learning I was autistic, why would I ever ask that? I never had a reason to think that I was different or anyone else was hearing or feeling anything different but now that I know that my body works the way that it does and my scent I have really really bad like sensory uh dysfunction so sounds and stuff are I'm realizing are very probably very different to me than other people and that's just been really interesting to be like, do you hear that the same way that I do? Or like, did you hear that thing across the room? And people are like, no. And realize I 
I am different. Like I do feel things way different than other people. And I've always known the I knew it moment. <laughs> like I knew it moment definitely happened to me when um, I'm talking to people more and I'm asking them like, is, are you experiencing these things? Um, and those questions are really important though, because it's given me so much information to help me realize how different I actually am, but also how the same I am to other people. It really just gives me insight on myself and humans in general, how humans work. And I think asking those questions are important because otherwise, how are we going to know those things? I'm 28 and I'm asking these questions now and just learning things that I feel like we could have asked a long time ago, but I feel like we're too embarrassed to seem like we don't know everything so we don't want to ask embarrassing questions in life and that's just silly just ask (laughs) okay that like right there that is some serious knowledge drop right there okay so everybody you're watching you're listening don't be afraid to ask because there is no silly or stupid question no information is for everyone just ask it is well riley that's the thing it's so true (laughs) It is so true. And that, and that's the thing. It's like, we feel like, and we're told and we believe we agree to, you should know before you ever say anything. Yeah. Never ask a question. And it's, it's weird. Someone's it's weird. weird if you don't know. <laughs> Come on. I know, I know very little in comparison to, to what I don't know. You know, it's just what I don't know is vastly huge. Mm-hmm. What I do know is just like the small little dot. And I'm trying to expand my dot every day because really the biggest question and the one I ask myself every day at the end of the day is what do I know about myself today that I Mm -hmm. didn't know yesterday? Something as simple as I think I asked someone recently, do you have an internal monologue? And they said, no. And I found out that not everyone has an internal monologue. Isn't that that crazy? Because I always thought everybody did. Well, because the person in my head never shuts up. So I can't, I, can't, I, I can't imagine that someone doesn't have that person in their head. It's just wild. It's and we're, we're, no, we're never going to, we're never going to know these things if we don't ask. That's exactly right. So Riley, if that was your hardest part, sort of the, the isolation of it and not really being able to connect once you sort of learned more about who you are as an autistic person, mm-hmm. what would you want to share? And with everybody listening, just and watching, what has been the best part? What's the, what's your, your big like golden nugget of this is what I want the next person who maybe is just showing up and just learning that they're autistic. This is what I'd like to share for you to know about this journey. Oh gosh. I feel like that's so hard for me because I want so desperately to have some type of an impact on someone. And I just want, I want that so badly. So I feel like I'm never going to say the perfect thing, but it's, it's really important to me to know that I was never wrong. I knew in my heart who I was since I was little that I was different and weird. And that was, and I liked myself when I was little. That's the thing is that I was so happy to be joyful and I don't want anyone else who's maybe as empathetic as I am, who has this, I like there's, 
you know, autism is a spectrum. And the only part of the spectrum I feel like that gets talked about a lot is the hypo empathy part where people don't have a lot of it. I have hyper empathy where I just feel everything all the time. If anyone else is like me, I want them to know (laughs) your feelings are okay. And like, they're awesome and beautiful. And it's okay to feel things as hard as you feel. I look at stuff that's so beautiful. Sometimes it makes me want to cry. And because life is so intense to me, and I feel like people make you feel like that's not okay to feel that way that it's not okay to be joyful and love like life as much as you want, but you can, and it's fine to have loud, crazy emotions. And that's all I want anyone to know is like that it's okay because I feel like mine got buried for so long (laughs) that now that I have them again, I'm just so stoked. And it's, it's everything. I, I really want everyone to know that like your feelings are allowed to be as loud and bold and happy as you want them to be for sure. Don't let the world like take that from you just because you're too much. It's, oh. it's not, it's not something I ever want for anyone. Riley, you touch my heart so deeply. You really do. Oh my gosh. I'm like getting all teary over here. Cause you got that, that's like, Oh, that is the freedom right there, you know, because there are like here in the minor autistic brain community, we're always talking about how we have very intense feelings and it's, we spend so much energy in our lives trying to suppress it and contain it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I get told, you know, God, why are you so happy? You know, you don't have to tone it down. You know, you don't have to be so excited and joyful. And I'm like, So I spent a lot of time suppressing my own joy, my own happiness, you know, all of the emotions, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the big, scary Harry's. And it's exhausting. And it keeps us from living our authentic life and the one that we are meant to live. That is just the best advice. And just so you can just totally take the pressure off, you have already touched my life and changed my life for the better. So you could just take that little thing off the, off the chart of to do, cause you've done it. You've totally done it. Thank you. I just, yeah, I feel like I have trained myself for the last, probably most of my adult life to think that I needed to need less from other people. Like I need to need less because of how much I need from other people. And I just want to let everyone know that you can need more. (laughs) Like you can need more than you think that you need because you will find someone out there, like not even in a romantic, I don't even just mean a romantic way, just people out there who want to give you the love that you need. You're not too much. There's people out there who will tell you that you're too much, but they just are not. They're not your people. Yeah, they're not the they're not they cannot they cannot fill the reservoir that you are. They can't help you because they don't they don't have the ability to hold all that you are and that's okay, but you there are people who can. Like that's the thing is like feel like when we find other people who can't, we have this idea or at least I have had that this idea that 
no one will ever be able to handle anything about me because I am too much. And so the only solution to this is to make myself less. And that's not a solution because you will get burnt out doing that. And you will, you're not being true to yourself. You're not, I don't feel like you're honoring yourself. You're not, you're not honoring yourself by doing that. And you will, you will always resent either yourself in the long run or the person you're with or people in your life for not giving you what you need. So say what you need and don't let anyone tell you that it's too much. Your needs are all valid. It's super, it's super important for me to like, that's if anything else I say in life is like, if I don't say anything good ever again, it's fine. I just want anyone to know that like you're allowed to feel and you're allowed to need what you need in life for sure. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> And just so everybody knows out there, there's a thing called true connection relationships. And in that, it's a, it's a reciprocity. It means there's reciprocation. And that means that the other person has to have the skills and abilities to reciprocate what you need. And you have to have the skills and abilities to reciprocate what they need. So mm -hmm. if you are too much for somebody, it's okay. If they say that you're too much for them, that's okay. You just say, thank you so much. I appreciate you giving me that information. You just think to yourself, that is not my person. They do not have the skills, abilities, and capacity to reciprocate my love and all that I am because this is me and this is not broken. And you just thank them for giving you the gift of knowledge that you no longer have to exert any more energy or effort in something that is not right. Yes. <laughs> all of that. That was great. <laughs> all of that like so your pet talk from riley and carol jean today <laughs> very much so that was great <laughs> riley page from long beach california you are the artful realm on instagram and etsy where can people go to connect with you buy your art just show up and check out riley's page the artful realm because if you're on this journey if you're just starting your journey or if you're a creative you don't even have to be a creative and if you just want to learn to love your body the way it is in its beautiful essence and all that you are, please go check out my friend Riley. Mm -hmm. She has got more goodness, more joy, more happiness and more insights and just some real conversations that you can have with her on Instagram at the artful realm. Riley, thank you so much for being here. You're a Thanks blessing so in so many ways. And I just cannot thank you enough. No, thank you for having me. It's been great. <laughs> if you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late-identified autistic's life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audie so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me a Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.